Welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 181. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. Today, we are going to talk about being hard on yourself and why that is not an effective strategy to get the results with your health that you would like to see. Uh, before we get started, my dog only decides to itch whenever I'm talking. Clearly, it hasn't itched the whole time. So sorry, I've got three dogs in my recording space and they all have collars on and they can be noisy. So I apologize for any background noise. Um, before we get started, I want to talk about meds. I always um, want to point this out. If you are on meds for your type 2 diabetes, you have been medicated because of the way you previously ate, which means if you change the way you're eating, that you will need to change your medications in order to keep you safe. If you don't, you may get very sick. So you need to, if you are making these changes, you need to have a tight conversation with your physician or your provider who's prescribed you your meds so that you can have a line of communication open with them and you can know when you need to make medication changes, okay? This is what I do for my clients. This is what we do in my group. I help them know when they need to call their doctor and say, hey, listen, my blood sugars are this. I need to know what you want me to do. That's what I help them with. But if you are making these changes on your own, like you're like, yeah, Delane's got these great ideas. I'm going to go ahead and totally do this. That's awesome. I love that. However, I want you to be safe about it because you can get very, very sick if you're on medications for type 2 diabetes and you start to make some of these dietary changes. The one medication that's probably super safe to do this with is metformin, but if you're on anything but metformin, you need to have a conversation with your doctor and you need to have a way, uh, like a set out plan for when your blood sugars drop to this number, you call them and they will look at your numbers and they'll give you some feedback. Okay. A lot of times that looks like emailing or um, maybe even faxing in, I guess that's pretty old school, but faxing in uh, blood sugar logs to the nurse and having the nurse go talk to the doctor about it. And then the nurse gives you a call back on what medita- medication changes need to be made. So if you're on meds, please be very careful. It can be dangerous to change the way you eat when you've been medicated for the way you previously ate. Okay. Um, before we get started, I do want to point out that if you are not following me on Instagram, if you're not following me on Facebook, please do so. Any free sessions that I have, any seminars, webinars where I'm offering information to everybody about how to do this, they will be announced on those social media platforms. If you're unaware, I am broadcasting the podcast every week on YouTube. So if you want to um, get a hold of the information before Monday morning, because usually posts on Sunday night or Monday morning. If you want to get a hold of the podcast information, go over to YouTube. You can find it there. If you want to interact during the podcast, go over to YouTube. You can do that there in the comment section. All right. So let's talk about why we need to stop being so hard on ourselves. So this comes from a member of the Facebook group. If you're unaware, there is a Delane MD reversing diabetes with Delane MD Facebook group. Go find it. Ask for like you have to ask to be admitted, which I think is silly, but ask to be admitted, I'll get you in there. But this comes from a comment from one of the Facebook group members. And she said, a month ago, I was diagnosed. Or I, I'm, I'm a month into this diagnosis slash new lifestyle. And I just need to learn as much as I can, as why she was telling me she'd entered the group. My struggle is being very hard on myself for getting to this point. 
I knew better, but chose not to take the warning signs seriously. So now I'm seriously diving in all the way. So I love that. And I love that she was able to be so vulnerable um, in this being hard on ourselves. And I told her, I was like, I'm going to do a podcast on this. So watch for it. So this is for you. Let's talk about being hard on ourselves. Sometimes people, I'll hear this from clients. um, I'm hard on myself. And this feels like shame. It feels like guilt. It feels like secrecy. Sometimes it's, I'm harsh on myself. And that also probably feels the same, but the thought that gets us stuck is I need to be harsh on myself in order to create the results that I want. So when I ask women with type two diabetes, what they want, like, what is it that you want here? They give me answers. Like I want freedom from food. I want peace about my health. I want to be healthy. I want a long lasting, enduring life. I want to feel less anxious about the things that I eat. So if you consider I need to be harsh on myself, being harsh on yourself is never going to create those feelings, those things that you want. So think of stories where you have a harsh authoritarian figure. So maybe a parent or a principal or a boss, whatever that might be. These are the kind of people who might say things rudely, right? They're hoping to say things in such a rude way that they coercively encourage you to behave in the way they want you to behave, behave, right? So the receiver of their behavior, of their rudeness, they're hoping they can get them to behave in a way that they want them to behave even if it's not the way the receiver wants to behave themselves, right? These relationships typically have an element of rudeness or coercion or berating or maybe overt aggressiveness or even like typically maybe passive aggressiveness or even sarcasm, right? It's a very one-sided relationship. Somebody is making somebody else feel badly in order to get a behavior that they want. So parents who parent like this, they're harsh authoritarians, and they do this for a number of different reasons. And I, I want to probably preface this as I think I've been guilty of doing this, and usually in the form of sarcasm with my kids. And it's not, I've, I've realized over the years, I'm like, oh, that's not the way I want to show up to this. So I think that it happens, and it's not always a malicious um, line in us, but it's just the way we have seen these situations managed. And so we mimic what we've seen, right? So parents who do this, either they saw it, from their parents, like they have, you know, their, their father was, you know, harsh and abrupt and maybe rude and maybe a little aggressive. Right. Or they think it's funny. I've fallen into that. Right. Like I would parent with sarcasm because I thought it was really funny to make a joke out of something ridiculous. But a lot of times it's just that they want their child to do what they want them to do because it makes it easier. If my kid would just do this thing, we wouldn't be in the situation if you would have just done what I said right? Like how many times, I mean, I think we've all thought that at some point, but we wouldn't be having this hard time if you would have just done it. It would be easier, less hard for me if you would just do it this way. So the intent behind this is not because it's what's better for the child, even though sometimes it is, right? The intent behind this is how do I make it easier? And now we all understand like parenting, my mother says it's not for the weary, right? It's not for the weak of heart. Parenting is big work and it's a lot of work some days, right? But when we do it from a space of how to make life easy on us versus from how to make, how do we love our kids and raise kids that we want in the world? That's where the difference is. The action, like the thing that you're expecting of a child is no different, right? A lot of times the thing that you want your child to do might actually be better for your child. 
telling my child not to play with matches is better for my child, right? But doing it rudely or berating them or being passive aggressive or sarcastic or harsh with them is never better for my child, right? So authoritative parents tend to use phrases like the good kids versus the bad kids. And they talk about how good kids behave. And if you were a good kid, you'd behave this way, right? Like that's how this authoritative, this harsh voice comes out of other humans. I think most of us are very familiar with bosses who do this, right? Like we've had the bad boss, right? We've all seen this, right? They give direction, feedback, and criticism heaped with sarcasm, berating, passive aggressive, or rudeness, right? We're mo most of us are pretty familiar with this, and they definitely talk about the good employees. A good employee for this organization would do X, Y, and Z, okay? Both of these situations, when we talk about the good kids or the good employees, they connect the receiver, the person receiving that message, their value to the actions that they perform, right? So they connect their value to the things, okay? So I want you to think about, and of course, value is never connected to the things that we do. Our value is inherent. I like to believe it's my favorite thing. I was given another breath in my lungs this morning. I've got today. I have some value in the world because I am here to do something. I love to think about that each morning. I got breath in my lungs, so I got enough value to get up and do something. Like somebody thought I did because I still got breath in my lungs. So we all have value. Value is not tied to the things that we do. It's inherent and we all have it. So when the person who's the receiver hears this harsh voice, how do they feel? So if you think about the kids that hear this, children raised by parents who are authoritative and authoritarian may go on to have problems with authority later in life, right? Certainly it's likely that they don't feel heard. They don't feel like they're seen. They likely will have hard times expressing themselves. They might even struggle with setting boundaries in their lives. They might have issues with depression and anxiety, right? They do not love doing the things that they were coerced to do, right? Like they never love cleaning the room. You know why they don't love cleaning the room? Because it reminds them every time of their parents screaming at them and making them feel little about it, right? These relationships typically in adulthood are very strained. Frequently, these children struggle um, with keeping a relationship with those parents. There's certainly no, hear me on this, there's no peace in that relationship. And it's typically a lot of anxiety in that relationship. Employees of bosses who are sarcastic or berating or passive aggressive and rude are not happy employees. <laughs> they don't like staying at their job. They don't do it because they love it. They do it because they need the paycheck. They have anxiety about going to work. And they describe their work environment as toxic. They use these words, right? There's nothing healthy about the work environment, right? There's no freedom. There's no peace. The receiver of the harshness is never feeling free or peaceful or healthy or like they want to endure longer or less anxious, right? That's not how they feel in these relationships. The receiver of harshness is typically feeling like, how do I get out of this? They feel avoidance. Maybe they feel disgust. Maybe they feel hatred. They do not want to be in that situation. They look for any opportunity to get away. Children in, in these homes, raised in these homes, look for the first ticket out. College as far away as possible, a crappy boyfriend who will take them to some other home, country, city, state, whatever, right? Employees in these environments 
use all of their sick days, even when they're not sick. They use all of their vacation days as soon as they can. They use any personal days they get, and they do not feel obligated to stay any later than they need to. Any later than absolutely is required. They may not be interested in taking any work home in order to get the company ahead. They struggle with depression and anxiety too. And most people, when they are in these situations, have a feeling that contribute that they want to contribute to their profession, right? They want to have a profession they feel like they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. And it's really hard to do. They have this berating boss. They're unhappy in this situation. So if anybody asks them about the organization, they have nothing nice to say about it, right? So if you think about this, what this does for the company, and even if you think about the children that are like just getting out of town as quickly as possible, like maybe by racking up a bunch of student loan debt, or maybe by being in this crappy relationship with some significant other to whisk them away, right? They are sabotaging themselves in very subtle ways. Employees who are unhappy in their work, they're sabotaging their, their organization, their company in very subtle ways, Okay. So I want you to apply this to health and health goals now. Do you find that you have goals and when you're not meeting them in the way you expected to, that you have this harsh self-talk about the choices you make? When you make a choice that moves you away from your goal of reversing type 2 diabetes, maybe you missed the gym this morning, maybe you forgot to, or you didn't take the time on the night before to prep your lunch for work today, or maybe you ate three cookies at a dinner party, that you had not planned on eating and you consider these choices you make and recognize they are choices. I think this is really important to hear. And I think that I heard this when I, the comment that came on the Facebook group, right? They talked about choices. I haven't been making the choices. These are choices. You made a choice to stay in bed. You made a choice to not take the time the night before to pack your lunch for the day of, and you made a choice to eat those three cookies. For the love of all this holy cookies, do not jump into your mouth. We make these choices. And it's very easy. This is where we start to berate ourselves. This is where we start to be harsh with ourselves. But I want you to understand when you can accept and own the choice, that is where your power is. Owning that decision is where your power is. When you realize it's a decision I made and you can start to investigate why we make this decision versus letting go of any um, responsibility for those decisions. If you didn't make the decision, then you can't do anything to fix it. If you made the decision, it's all yours to get it fixed, okay? But when we consider the choices that we make and we find this harsh talk, you may not even notice the harsh talk. It may be simple feelings of disappointment or guilt or shame or disgust or even hopelessness. Do you find when you're looking at your health goals and looking at the choices that you make that you want to hide? Because if you're wanting to hide, it's because you're feeling some of those feelings. Remember the human being, when it feels shameful, it wants to hide. This is how aggressive humans in our life keep it a secret, right? This is how abusers keep it a secret, whether it's child abuse, sexual abuse, spousal abuse, whatever it is, they keep you shamed. And if you're shamed, you're not going to tell anybody and they know that, okay? Shame will make you want to hide. What are you hiding from? You're hiding from your blood sugar readings. You're hiding from your food logs. For my clients, they're hiding from me, right? Like they don't show up to coaching. Right? These are the subtle sabotages that you're doing that keeps you from getting the results that you want. This sabotage, this hiding, this avoiding, all because happens, all because we have our value 
tied up in these actions. We are good or we are bad. And I want to offer, this is where being hard on ourselves isn't paying off, right? We are not good or we are bad. We always have the same value. Our value is inherent. We are always valuable. We do things that maybe don't always align with our integrity, but our value is always present. Okay. So being hard on ourselves never pays off. The negative self-talk actually leads to the opposite of what you're wanting to create. It leads to shame, guilt, disappointment, disgust, hopelessness. It does not lead to freedom and peace and health and the endurance of life that you want and less anxiety. It doesn't lead to any of those things. So many women will say to me that they don't want to check their blood sugars or their weight because it quote unquote ruins their day. It's a toxic thing. It's a toxic thing that I don't want to do is what they will tell me. Ladies, you are not wrong. You're not wrong. It is toxic. (laughs) But the answer is not avoiding. The toxic part is stop talking that way to yourself. Stop being harsh on yourself. That is the toxic part. That is what leads to the self-sabotage. The answer is to stop doing that shit. Stop talking that way to yourself. So how do we do this? This is one of my most favorite thing, things in all of the world. And my clients hear me talk about this. And it's probably one of my most favorite things because it brings in lots of one of my most favorite persons in the whole world, which is one of my, one of my daughters. I have a daughter-in-law and I have um, a 15-year-old daughter. I, of course, have raised my 15-year-old daughter from her infancy. My daughter-in-law who is my you know, daughter from another mother, but I love her so dearly and she definitely um, enhances our family. But I didn't raise her from childhood, right? And I didn't get to see her through all of the mistakes that we make in childhood. I've done that with my daughter, right? So I use my relationship with my daughter who has made mistakes because we all do as we are children and growing into adulthood, right? I use my daughter, my relationship with my daughter and the way that I talk to my daughter as a template for how to talk to myself. And this has been a practice I have been honing for probably the last three years. So I've talked about this in the past, um, but my self-talk is definitely very patterned off of how I talk to my sweet daughter. Okay. So I use phrases with my daughter almost always. It's lovey, sunshine, baby girl. I always want her to know that she makes my day better no matter. Her value is inherent, right? And it's not that I don't have expectations of my daughter. I've got big expectations of my daughter. She's not floating through life on a free ride, having it all easy, getting her feet, you know, rubbed down every day at 15. She's almost 15. I have expectations of her though, right? I expect her to do what she's told. I expect her to work hard. I expect her to get good grades, I expect that when I tell her to do something that she does it and she does it correctly, right? She does work hard. If she has a job to do, it will be done correctly. And I know she does this, right? I'll post a pic um, next week on Instagram of my daughter mowing the yard. She was about eight years old. She was very small and she was mowing the yard. And I know a lot of people have opinions about children mowing the yard and that's fine. It's okay if you're wrong or if I'm wrong here, but that's all right. The point is... My daughter was happy to do it because she likes to be the, the person that shows up and get it, gets it done. Like she's a get her shit doneer, just like me. Right. And I would offer just like you, you can look in your life and you can see the things that you've accomplished, the shit you've got done, right? The bar is not set low for you. And it's not set low for my daughter. And it doesn't mean that I talk to her partially, right? Like 
It's not set low to her. And I don't talk to her harshly. They can go together. When she misses the mark, oh my God, I cannot even imagine berating my daughter. I love her so dearly. I don't use sarcasm. I don't use passive aggressiveness to get a different behavior out of her. I use what I call a loving honesty. I say things like, baby girl, what happened here? The expectation was X and you chose not to do that. Tell me more about this. She recently offered tater tots to her brother. This is a great example of her. The expectation was X and we didn't get there. She offered tater tots to her brother. I saw her making them and I told her, go ask your brother if he wants any too. And so she did. And he did want tater tots. He's a 14 year old boy. They're twins. So he's a 14 year old boy and he definitely wanted the tater tots. So she made them. She made what was left in the bag and she took what was hers. And then she called him and say, hey, they're ready. And he comes to me. He's like, there were four tater tots. (laughs) She left him four tater tots. He was not impressed. And I was a little disappointed too, if I'm really honest, right? So my question to her was, hey, little lovey, why did we do that? That wasn't very nice. Of course, in my head, I'm like, why did we even ask him if he wanted some, if we weren't going to give him any, right? And her answer was that I realized that there weren't going to be enough going around. I probably should have made other food so that I wouldn't still be hungry, but I didn't. And I ate them all, right? And she felt bad. And she went and she apologized to her brother right? There was no need for me to berate her to get her to go apologize for her brother. There was no need for the sarcasm that I previously used in my life. So here's the thing. We want to believe that if we're not harsh on ourselves, that we won't do the thing, right? So on the contrary, if you have been speaking harshly to yourself for years about fixing your diabetes, understand it hasn't worked for years. It's probably not going to work this year either. Okay. And it's not getting the job done. My daughter definitely felt bad about the tater tots, right? She knew that she had not handled it in the way that was expected or really the way that aligns with her. If I had heaped a bunch of harshness on top of that and a bunch of guilt, she would have moved into shame and she would have hid from that. She would have never apologized to her brother. She would have fought talking about it. She would not felt free to consider how do I handle that the next time that does align with who I am? She would have avoided it. She would have self-sabotaged who she wants to be, who she is. This is why harshness will not get you where you want to be with your health. Harsh talk will not get you to freedom from food, to health and peace. It will not get you to a lasting, enduring life because you won't do the damn thing. It won't get you to less anxiousness. When you are berating yourself and shaming yourself, you're going to hide from it. You're not going to do it. So there is a difference between honesty and harshness. Using a loving honesty will allow you to evaluate your actions, the ones you've taken that have either moved you towards or even away or away or even towards your goal, right? Like giving that honest evaluation of even what you did that you liked and maybe like, oh, I thought that would work out differently. It was what I planned, but I thought it would be differently. Like I thought the result would be different. Giving yourself the ability out of a loving honesty to evaluate even the things that you did do that were aligned with what your plan was, right? But definitely using loving honesty to evaluate the things that you did that were not moving you towards what your goals are. That is how you start to move out of that harshness, right? There's no need for the harshness. Your value is intact with or without eating three cookies. Your value is intact whether whether or not you made it to the gym or packed a lunch. 
You are still you. And that's the most beautiful thing ever. But not talking to it in a berating way, not talking to yourself in a berating way. So you want to do something else. You want to eat less of the cookies. You want to make it to the gym in the morning. You want to pack yourself the lunch the night before, right? A loving, honest question to yourself when you've moved in a direction away from your goal is why did I do that? Why did I do that? From a loving space, answer that. It's going to be far more helpful for you than being harsh on yourself. So if your loving honesty like sounds like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Why did you do that? That is not what we are talking about. That is not loving honesty. Loving honesty in my brain, baby girl, why did we make that decision? What's that about? Why did we do that? Because I was tired? Because I chose to go to bed instead of packing my lunch? Because I wanted to enjoy time with my kids and I thought having popcorn at the movies would do that because the cookies taste good. And I keep telling myself that they're so tasty, right? For the time that we have three cookies at the dinner party, that story. So here's what I want you to understand. Fixing that belief about the cookies, fixing that belief about popcorn, making the movies better with my kids. Fixing the nighttime so that there's time to make your lunch for the daytime. That is where your resources, your mental resources need to be poured into. It does not need to be poured into berating yourself. It does not need to be poured into some other planner program. It does not need to be poured into like finding the movie theater without popcorn, right? That, that is not what it needs to be poured into. It needs to be poured into why do I believe popcorn makes the movies better? needs to be poured in. Why do I believe only that cookies are delicious? They also make me sick with type two diabetes. That's the part you have to pour your energy to, right? Getting healthy can be fun. I promise, but we have to drop some of these old habits, right? This is where coaching comes in. If you have been hard on yourself and working yourself over and constantly cranking out the guilt and the shame, expecting that you're going to fix your type two diabetes, you are not, you are going to sabotage yourself away from that. Okay. This is where coaching comes in. Do you understand if you are trying to make getting healthy, be fun and long-term and something you can do forever. If you are beating your ass every single day, because you can't make a quote unquote right decision, it is not fun, right? That's not enjoyable. Of course, people are like, nah, just give me the meds. I don't want to fix this. This is horrible. That's optional. Okay. That is where coaching comes in. Remember, you don't need me to tell you to lay off the chocolate cake. You know that you need to know why you keep eating the cake, even though you make yourself sick. And these things, these harsh ideas, this being harsh on yourself is part of what you sabotage yourself with. If you're talking to yourself harshly, it's likely that's a huge part of the reason why you can't stop doing the things that make you sick. And this is where coaching helps you reprogram that. If you're interested in my program, it's a six-month program for women with type 2 diabetes, send me a message. Delane at Delane MD will set you up a consult and we'll get you started so you can reverse type 2 diabetes in your life. Get it out of your life. Make 2023 the last time you have to be talking to your doctor about this. All right. I will be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.